Our reading this morning is from 1 John chapter 2. That's 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to start reading from verse 3. So I'll give you a moment to turn to it. I think it'll appear, it is behind me as well. Okay. So 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. We should all know that one by now, anyway. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Shall we just pray? Father, we thank you for your word, that we can read it, that we can learn from it. We can, uh, we can sometimes find it challenging, but we do pray that it's there to help us and to guide us in our Christian lives. We pray for Nico this morning, Lord, as he speaks to us, speak through him to us, to straight into our hearts, Lord, we pray, so that uh, as we listen, we do pray that uh, we may apply what we hear in, into our daily lives and how we live and in what we do. So we do pray for your blessing upon our time this morning. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. A few weeks ago, I had to uh, call my broadband provider to fix up something. Um, and after what, a long, long wait, the first five minutes were all about questions that they asked me. And it had one purpose, to prove that I was myself. And it, it was quite frustrating, and there were so many questions about my name, my middle name, the addresses I lived uh, in the last few years, my direct debit, and so on and so on. They even asked me how many hair I have. But that's one is, is easy for me. And it, 
I'm sure uh, you had similar experiences or you find yourself in a situation where you have to prove that you are yourself or you had to prove that anything is, is true. And it, it looks like in our world, it's harder and harder to prove that anything is true. Um, what I'd like to, to do in the next, like quickly, 30 seconds, if you would uh, look around you and talk about um, a question I have for you. So just in groups of two threes, and this question is, is this one. If someone out of the blue would call you and you have no idea who it is, but they claim that they actually know you quite well, what question would you ask them to make sure to prove that they actually do know you? So for example, for me, anyone who truly knows me knows I love Toy Story, I confess. And so I would ask them, what's my favorite cartoon? And their answer would show me if they actually know me or not. So let's take 30 seconds in group of two threes uh, to talk about it. Okay, I, I hope you had uh, good questions and uh, maybe you know more about the person who's, uh, who's sat next to you this morning. Well, John in his first letter is addressing his readers to, to help them answer the question, do I know God? And this is because uh, there have been a lot of people from the church leaving it, and now they're claiming that they hold a truth. But the truth a truth different than the ones they have been heard, that have been taught since the beginning. And so John wants to give them proof to reassure them. They want to, he wants to give them sign, aspects that characterizes their, their lives to know whether they know God. And this is what we read in verse 3. Oh, we've uh, memorized it uh, it, and I, I can't, uh, too much stress. And by this we know that we have come to know him. So th this is John's idea in his, in his letter. And so uh, I'm going to show you a, a plan just behind me. Uh, feel free to take a, a picture if you'd like to. Uh, this plan shows how John articulates his letter uh, with these three proofs. Because he's going to give... Uh, these three in, in many different ways and he's going to circle around and it actually helped me quite a lot to understand uh, his letter and as we're reading the next few chapters in our, our daily readings this week or whenever we'll be reading in the next few years uh, this letter of John I find it quite, quite helpful um, so the three tests are about sin and obedience second one is about love and hatred 
And the third one is about falsehood and truth. Again, John is giving them proofs. He's not talking about the actions that we need to do to get to know God or to be saved, but he's really giving them signs for them to know if they know God or not. So this morning we'll look at what this proof is in the few verses that FK read for us. We'll see why it is proof, and then we'll see the exact definition of this proof. So we'll have to know what this proof is about, but first let's look at what does it mean to know God, because if this proof shows if we know God or not, what does knowing God really mean? Well, John in his writings, so in his gospel and in the, his letters, does um, something quite often is for one expression, for one word, he actually uses different expressions, different words to mean the same thing. Uh, so for example, uh, in, in this chapter, uh, we have the follow, following expressions to talk about knowing God. So we have to be in him, so to be in God, his love, God's love is perfected in us, uh, abiding in him or living in him, depending on the translations, being and abiding in the light. And the next chapter we have to have fellowship with him. So it's quite helpful to understand what knowing God means, because it's not just about knowing about someone. It's not even about having the best friendship with someone. It's it's much more than that. It's abiding, living in him. Like the water in a canal. The canal knows the water in a way that only the canal knows it. So let's look at what this proof is. So let's read again verses 3 to 8. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandments, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard, at the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So, this proof is about the commandments, is about obeying his commandments, is about following his words. And John talks about a specific commandment that is both old and you. But it's quite intriguing, don't you think, that he doesn't actually say what this commandment is. And actually, he doesn't even explain it until chapter 3, verse 11, so quite later down the road. Why? Why does John doesn't just say what it is? If it's so important, if it's a, if it's a proof whether we know God or not, why is he not telling it clearly? Well, because the readers of this letter, the first readers knew it so well. He didn't even have to explain. The readers had it in their lives. 
it was such a characteristic, such a sign, a mark of who they were, that there was no need for John to explain it. Can I say the same thing about my life? Can we say the same thing about our daily walks, about our thoughts, about our walks? So what is this commandment? Well, John says that it's an old commandment, the one, the one that they had since the beginning. This is referring to the Torah, to God's law. And in Leviticus, we read, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And God, again, a few thousand years later, when walking on this earth, says, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This, this sign, this mark, is not just for a thousand years ago. It is a sign for God's people across history, across ages. This is what the church, his church, God's people, should be known for across history. So, we know that loving is proof of knowing God. This is what John is about, and this is what this proof is about. Now, John says that it shows in a specific manner with our closest neighbor, who is our brother and sister, meaning like us in the church, united in God's family, united by his love. To do our interaction, show this. This morning, throughout the week, does my love for my brother and sister makes me want to encourage them to build them up? Or does my lack of love makes me want to criticize them, to blame them? Well, if loving is proof of knowing God, well, surely the our love for one another is deeply impacted by God himself. Like, let's take the image of, of this tap. This tap is deeply impacted by its source, by the pipe it is connected to. Whatever this pipe is, it will determine what the outcome of this tap is. And actually, as Christians, we know that God is the source of all our actions, of our love for one another. God, in the Old Testament, promises that he's putting his spirit within us. He's causing us to follow his statutes, to obey his rules. That's in Ezekiel. Because love is not our own doing. It shows our source. That's why it is proof of knowing God, because it shows our source. Now, John is, is really clear, throughout, um, especially the test of sin and obedience, that it is a characteristic of our life to love one another, but we still sin and we still are fallible. But this is not a characteristic of our life to sin and to disobey God. So God, John is not saying you never sin. He actually addresses this. We still are sinners, but this is not the characteristic of our lives. 
So this passage is to reassure us that we do know God. Or it can also be questioning if we actually know God or not. Maybe this morning you're realizing that you don't know, you truly don't know God. And you might be thinking, and so what? I don't know God, and and so what? Let's read verse 17 of our passage. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Our lives will have a certain end. This is for sure. And if our source is the world, then the world has a definitive end. But if our source is God, God has no end. And we read also in Luke, so this is God, Jesus talking, and he's answering to people who's, who are coming to him and saying, I know you. He's saying, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, God will say to them, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Our eternity is impacted if we know God or not. And thinking that we know God, like we've just read, is not enough. If we do know God, we'll be with him for eternity. But if we do not know God, we'll be separated from him, from the one we have been made to have fellowship with, separated from the one who is the source of all things, the source of love. So if loving is proof of knowing God, if that is so important, we have to ask ourselves, what is love? I heard a few days ago at the radio a song, and the lyrics went something like this. We all need and we all want different shades of love. And you might have heard the expression, love is love, meaning we can all have different definition of love and that's okay. Well, is it okay? Is it good to prove that we know God? Is every definition of love good for that? Well, if love is proof of knowing God and if God is the source of it, then surely he is the one and the only one who can define what love is. Like this, this tap. This tap cannot define what water is. Whether it's connected, connected to the sewage pipe or the water inlet, this tap has no say in what the definition of love is. So loving is proof of knowing God if it is God-defined. So now we have to ask ourselves, what is God-defined love? Well, again, if loving is proof of knowing God and if it's the source of love, then God himself is the best place for us to look at and to understand and see 
what love is. And this is what um, we have in, in verse 6. John says, Whoever says he abides in him, in God, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. He's talking about Jesus, the one who came to this earth, embodied love in a brand new way. And the one who says, a new commandment I give to you, that you would love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Jesus showed us love in the ultimate way. And the climax of it was at the cross, what we just celebrated at Easter. And Paul talks about it in Philippians. And we read, Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This, he is our example. What a leader we have. And on top of this, we have his spirit within us, showing this commandment afresh as new. So let's not have a definition of love, a cheap one, when Jesus came and showed us what love is. But even with this ultimate example of Jesus and his spirit within us, John tells us to be careful because the world will have a different definition of love. Let's look at verses 15 to 17 of our our passage. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh and the desire of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. There is a different definition of love. But loving is proof of knowing God only if it is God-defined. We're in front of a choice. We have to choose the source of our actions. We have to choose the source of our desires. We have to choose the source of who is defining love. Who are we trusting to define love? And the passage is clear. We cannot have two different sources. Like this tap cannot be connected to two different pipes. We have to choose which source we are connected to. And John tells us that actually the difference is so huge between what the world defines as love and what God defines as love that he says in the next chapter, do not be surprised that the world hates you. 
the difference is so big that unfortunately this will be the world response to this message to God defined love and God defined love hasn't been countercultural just for the last few years it's been countercultural since the very start and we see that through the history of God's people and one example is in the early church uh, so the first few centuries after Jesus they were known to care for the outcast for the poor for the widow because they were basing their action on the fact that in Christ Jesus there is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither slave nor free there is no male and female for all are one in Christ Jesus and this view was not popular at the time and today it is also countercultural we're called to love our enemies when the world is actually telling us to shame the ones who did wrong to blame them to get revenge that forgiveness is not an option at the same time the world is saying that god defined love is not loving but we have to hold firm hold firm to the one who is and was from the beginning loving is proof of knowing god if it is god defined or what what's your definition what's my definition of love is it a one that you made yourself a homemade one based on what you think is true what I think is is best but you you're not really thinking about it or are you redefining god defined love to reassure yourself that you know god but in reality you're lying to yourself or is your definition based on god defined love but you're not realizing that the world and your surroundings is passively impacting it and you don't have any more the true definition of love but well, i like in the next uh 5 minutes in in this group of of 23s to talk about the following two questions that are uh practical the first one is how is my definition of loving others shaped by my surroundings even passively and the second one so you can choose either or what practical steps can i take to have and keep a god defined definition of love or a biblical definition of love so we'll take the the next 5 minutes so in group of 2 3s uh feel free to to share what uh, your thoughts are if you'd uh, rather listen feel free also to to do it so yeah let's turn to other people around us and uh, spend the next few minutes to do so
Okay, I, I hope you had uh, good and interesting discussions that you will uh, keep these thoughts for the next few uh, days and, and weeks. Some of my, my practical steps that I, I thought, uh, thought about are um, reading God's word and get, reading his law and commandments to have a good definition of, of love. Another one is studying the role models that we have in his word, Jesus and, and the other ones. And also to ask God to show me the influences I'm not aware of around in my life. Loving is proof of knowing God if it is God-defined, because it shows our source. This morning, maybe this, this passage made you question if you truly know God. Well, that's good, because Jesus, God, loves you this morning. You're not too far from him. You haven't come to church too many times to be over. He wants you to get close to him. He wants you to draw him, draw you to him. He wants you to forsake other sources for himself and him only. So today is the day we, we urge you to take this opportunity to commit your life to him, the only source of true love. And if you'd like to talk afterwards to share your thoughts and maybe your doubts, we're, we're here to, to listen. We're here because we love you, because he loves you. If this morning this, this passage reassures you, well, let's remember that God is the source of our love, is the source of our actions. Let's stay close to him and close together to keep a God-defined definition of love.